This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Well, what a way to start off a message. I'm pumped. Let's do it. This morning, we're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. And before I dive into the text, I want to get a, a show of the room. Uh, when I think of camp, and uh, how many people in the room have been to, been to summer camp? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. It's a lot of hands. That's a lot of hands. When I think of camp, I'm always blown away by the realization that in one week, in a faraway place, you take a so odd number of students to play different rec games, you read the Bible together, you worship through song together, you hear the word of God preached, um, you stay up late only to rinse and repeat every single day for the entire week. By the end of the week, you have, you're, you're so tired, you're probably malnourished, you don't have, because you're eating cafeteria food for the entire week. But what he does, the Lord, he uses all of those simple things to do incredible things in the life of a student. I was a staffer for Student Life, which is a, which is a company, a camp a company run by Lifeway um, for a summer two years ago. And uh, I just got to see incredible things. We went all across the East Coast. We went as far south as Tampa, Florida, and far, as far north as New York City. We, uh, in that time period over a summer, we reached 36,000 students and we took all of our camp stuff um, in four Penske trucks, four 26-foot Penske trucks, and that included everything. That included our tech, that included our welcome, like our hospitality stuff, that included, um, yeah, rec and everything, and, and that's what I did. We were a group of 19, 18 to 23-year-olds who loved Jesus and wanted to see students share in that same love. We wanted to come and see and, and give an invitation to students to have an encounter with Jesus. And seeing it now from the youth minister side, I'm amazed at, again, how God uses the simplest things to have a, such a great impact for his kingdom. And so today we'll look at a story where Philip and Nathaniel have an encounter with Jesus, where Nathaniel sees exactly who Jesus is. So like I said, John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51, it says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, and the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? you will see greater things than these. 
And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So to give us a little bit of context, Jesus is on his way to Galilee after calling Peter and another disciple who are also from the same city as Philip. And as Jesus was beginning to call his disciples to follow him, um, on, on his way to Galilee, he found Philip and he asked him, would you follow me? And Jesus, Jesus is the one who finds Philip. And then Philip then goes to find Nathanael and shares the good news. And let's note here that Philip first had an encounter with Jesus. That this incredible encounter with Jesus led him, which caused him to tell others about himself. And so Philip says they. He says they. He groups himself in and is now including himself in with these other disciples that all believe what? That Jesus is the one Moses in the law and prophets wrote about. And so we can see here that there's also a similar structure between the passage, this passage and the passage before where Jesus calls Peter. And John the Baptist points these two disciples to Jesus by describing him as the Lamb of God. And here Philip shares with Nathaniel that they have found the one Moses and the prophets wrote about. Both of these people, John the Baptist and Philip, recognize that there is something incredibly special about this person. However, Nathaniel responds with doubts. He believed that it was just too good to be true. And I believe we all find it hard to trust people, uh, to trust what people say right off the start, because we believe that some things are just too good to be true. We come up with situations or questions that test the legitimacy of the claim. Nathaniel, what he does is he questions and he doubts the validity of the statement that Philip brings because of the location of where Jesus grows up. Nathaniel, like all of us would, finds it incredibly hard to believe that the one that the entire Old Testament points to comes from such a lowly human city. I went to this camp the other day called Camp Rainbow. And I was invited by Jay, who's a real lifer, um, to come and, and just to lead some short devotions for two days. And when he called me and we got to discuss um, what I'd be doing, where I needed to go, he, he described the camp to me. He gave me a little bit of the history. He said that for a week, they would have close to 40 students that were coming from all across the United States that have different types of disabilities, some not even able to walk or, or some not even able to use the restroom on their own. And they would pair up each student with two volunteers to take part in, in all these different fun activities. Like they had a fishing tournament the one day I was there and the other day they had an indoor softball tournament and they had this uh, incredible, uh, like, large hill that they would put down, like, tons of mats, and they would have slip and slides. And they also had all these different carnival rides, too. Like, it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. And if you know anything about volunteering, it was hard for me to believe. I was just astounded about the amount of people that they could gather to serve at this camp for a week. They weren't paid. They were volunteers. And honestly, it... I couldn't picture something so special. I couldn't. And when I heard Jay talk about how special this camp was, how special Camp Rainbow was, I knew it was real just, with, just from the passion that he spoke about the camp. I just needed to see it for myself. And so it should be an image to show you a little bit what Camp Rainbow is like. Such a, such a special place. So today, 
In this text, I want us to look at, at three points that'll help us realize just how incredible this encounter Nathaniel has with Jesus. And the first is here in verse 46. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. So here, there is a challenge accepted. There's a challenge accepted. Philip challenged Nathaniel to go and see for himself. So I saw how special Camp Rainbow was for getting to go and getting to share and getting to talk to some of the other leaders and getting to partake in just two days of camp. One of the commentaries I used to prepare for this message said, speculation is no substitute for personally investigating Christ. I'll say that again. Speculation is no substitute for personally investigating Christ. Nathaniel did not let any of his presuppositions or his belief that there can be nothing good come out of Nazareth, get in the way from him knowing if this person is who Philip claims that he is. And a lot of time what we do is our pride can just get in the way of realizing that we're actually wrong. We believe that we have everything figured out and, and we know what's best for us and we know what's right and what's wrong. And so for any person today, in order to know Jesus, in order to have an encounter with him, we must be willing to submit. He is Lord and all of the scriptures point to him. And if we're not willing to put our expectations aside, to have them upended, then we will not be able to come and see who Jesus is. And Philip was certain. He came to Nathanael and fully believed that he had found the person that the scriptures pointed to. And, and he believed, Philip, he believes that any doubts or questions that Nathanael had would be silenced after just one encounter with Jesus. So you just have to be willing. You have to be willing to come before him and have your beliefs challenged. And there, there might be something that you cannot get over today, something that you've been wrestling with for a very long time, something that has held you back from fully committing to following Jesus, to giving your life over to him. And whether or not you're in this room right now or you're watching online, I believe you're here today for a reason and because you are willing to come in to see who Jesus is. Nathaniel was willing to be wrong. He was willing to be wrong, which showed he was ready. And I believe our students, 66 students, did that this week by getting on the bus on Monday. Because other than them getting in trouble, nothing was bringing them back. <laughs> The second point we see here in the text is there is a question answered. There's a question answers. It comes from verses 46 and 48. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus sees Nathanael from afar and demonstrates his supreme knowledge of all things. He describes Nathanael as an Israelite without deceit, that he is a good man. And then Nathanael, he doesn't really understand this because Jesus has never met him. This obviously was a miracle. And so he responds with another question. That question is, how do you know me? And if we go a little bit further in the Gospel of John, we see in John chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, Jesus says that he knows all people 
and he himself knows he knows what is in man. So Jesus knows everything about Nathaniel and just wants him to understand who he is, exactly who Jesus is. So he not only answers the question, how do you know me? But he answers his earlier question. He answers his earlier question with a profound statement. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Are there any Disney fans in the room? Raise your hand. Any Disney fans? Disney fans? Just a couple? What? What? Come on, people. Uh, I'm surprised. Uh, I went to Disney for the first time in February, and it was incredible. It was for Millie and I, uh, our honeymoon. And I had always wanted to go. I, I mean, always, like even growing up. And I don't understand this, and you might disagree with me, but my parents took me when I was like three. And so I don't have any memories whatsoever of that trip. And so I'm trying to experience it when I can actually, you know, like have photos and, and can remember some of these things. So I'd never been able to go and always heard about just how incredible the place was. And so Millie, she, she goes all the time because her family, they're season ticket holders. And so she knows all the ins and outs. She absolutely loves it. So I had high expectations going into our honeymoon um, just because of, Millie just talks so highly about the place and when you're spending a week there, right, you better love it. And so the only thing I could compare it to, which is they're not even equivalent at all, is like Six Flags or like Dollywood and, and that doesn't do it justice whatsoever. She loved the trip so much just because she got to see what it was like to go to Disney for the first time again. She had been so many times, so not, it's not like the feeling ever wore off completely, but it just wasn't the same. So she loved taking videos of me as I was impressed by literally everything at the parks. So here is a, a little video showing uh, you what I experienced. Uh, I experienced Magic Kingdom for the first time. Oh my God. Isn't it pretty? It's gorgeous. If, uh, if you couldn't hear what I said at the end, uh, Millie asked, uh, isn't it beautiful? And I said, it's gorgeous. Uh, it was an incredible trip. And if uh, this, is, this is not me telling you today that you should go to Disney, don't hear me. Uh, but Courtney Fowers is incredible, little plug. Um, Disney did not miss a beat whatsoever. Like everything was perfect from the rides to the places we got to eat, the, their, their special workers. I mean, oh my goodness, everything was incredible. And I literally walked through each park with my jaw just dropped, like open wide because I could not believe it. I was living out my childhood in real life. I mean, there's not many times you can go to Star Wars land and not be judged for buying and building like a $300 lightsaber. Um, and by the way, if you want to see that lightsaber, it's in the office. Come by anytime. I'd love for you to see it. Um, Nathaniel had an experience of sheer awe where he realized it could only be something great, something so great, God himself, who could know such a thing. And Nathaniel's response shows that he believed everything that Philip had told him earlier. His questions had been answered. Nathaniel witnessed a miracle. That I, and then in his response, identified Jesus as the son of God and the king of Israel, two titles that Jesus rightly deserved and that the Old Testament pointed to. 
His response was to worship, was worship. He was just left in awe. And I believe when you encounter the living God, your questions and worries will be put to rest. Having an encounter with the living God will just absolutely change you forever. And it led Nathaniel to follow Jesus. Lastly, the third point we see in the text is there is a promise assured. A promise assured. Jesus, and this comes from verses 50 through 51. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Jesus almost seems surprised here because he tells Nathanael that he will do even greater things. And and Nathanael probably could not even comprehend greater things because of what he just witnessed. And it's interesting to note the first of Jesus's signs was turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana, uh, at Cana, which is in John, the beginning of John chapter two. And that is actually where Nathanael was from. He was from Cana. Incredible things would even happen in his own town, in his hometown. And when Jesus replied by saying, truly, truly, the beginning of verse 51. And when you see a truly, truly, if you ever read the gospel of John, it's, it's everywhere in the gospel of John. Jesus is saying that with all certainty, with all certainty, we can trust him because exactly of what just happened, the encounter that Nathaniel had with Jesus. Jesus is God his perfect knowledge. He says, you will, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This promise seems to reference, uh, to be a reference to Genesis chapter 28. Um, that's the, the message, uh, the text that I preached in, uh, in February. Jesus declares that through him, he's the only way to see heaven. Through him, people will be saved. And when someone has an encounter with Jesus, they recognize, just like our theme, that they're a lost soul that has come in faith to the Savior who has been seeking them the entire time. Nathaniel thought he was seeking Jesus, that Jesus was the one seeking him. He saw him under the fig tree and was working all things out in order for Nathaniel to come and follow him. And I believe this passage ties really well with the theme of our camp. So we had two students that came on that bus on Monday, lost, and they left off the bus on Friday found. They saw that the Lord was good and their questions and doubts were silenced. An encounter with Jesus has radically changed their life. And now today we get to proclaim with them their renewed relationship in Christ through baptism. They're gonna be getting baptized right after service today, two new students, I know, incredible. And I, but I believe a majority of our students had experience like the one I'm about to share. So I had two sixth grade boys go on this trip. Um, uh, leaders, you know probably who I'm talking about. They were uh, incredible. But you can probably imagine uh, what it was probably like for these two boys to go to camp, right? They're six and a half hours away. So that's exciting, but also on the same time, they've probably never been that far away from their parents. And I had many conversations with both of these boys. They were on the same hallway as me. And at the end of the week, they both were right across from um, Blake and I's room. Um, 
but also we had a lot of conversations because they just kept on getting lost around the campus. So we, had to, we all as leaders had to go on like little rescue missions to find them and say, hey, you're supposed to be at lunch. What are you doing? Um, but both of them responded on the second night and they came up to, to the front to be with their leader, Casey. And after, afterward, I followed up with both of them because I just, I just wanted to know what they were feeling. One said that they were overwhelmed by God's forgiveness. And remember, this is sixth graders we're talking about. One said that they were overwhelmed by God's forgiveness. He said he knew he was a sinner in need of God's forgiveness, and he wanted to come to the front to thank God for something he did not deserve. Now, this student was already saved. It was just a movement of the Holy Spirit that led him to want to come up. The other student was also saved and that he recently, he told me this week that he had not been the best big brother. He said he knew he could do better and believed that God was calling to, him to step up as a leader. And he was moved also by, by the Holy Spirit and by God's forgiveness and knew that he could live a life in, in the freedom that God offers. He knew that he wasn't alone in life. He could turn away from his sin and he could be the big brother that the Lord was calling him to do to be. So they both recognized. They both recognized that they're no longer lost, so they don't have to act like they're lost. They don't have to continue to be a, a slave to sin, and that they're completely found in Christ and have nothing to be shamed about. I believe that there is an incredible wave of repentance that came over our students this week. So we took many students that were already saved, and they, and they learned this truth, that they didn't have to act like they were lost any longer, that they could live in God's freedom. And so this was on the second day. And on the last day, if you've ever been to church camp, they, it's just crazy. Like everything's bigger and better than the other days. Worship was just crazy. Blake already talked about how incredible recap finished the week. Um, and so it was just this big, it just felt like this big party, this big celebration. But these two boys had especially been leaning in to, to, to listen to what God had, was trying to say to them. And it was just incredibly powerful to watch the way they worshiped, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even look at them. I mean, it was already in an emotional and incredible moment. I, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit was, was so powerful and, and, and evident in that moment, but I, I couldn't even look at them because of how authentic it was. I believe if you would have asked those boys what was going on that day, they would have, they would have told you that they just believed it was them and God in the room. They didn't care what they looked like. They, they just worshiped. And it was an incredible thing to, to see. And so I bring this update uh, and this message to you this morning to bring you encouragement. That the scriptures testify with all of our testimonies of an incredible week in a faraway place. That students have been moved from being lost to being found because they have accepted the invitation they have they have accepted the challenge to come and see who Jesus really is. And, and I believe wherever you are today, you can make the same decision. You just have to be willing to lay your pride down, you have to be willing to be wrong, to lay down your presuppositions and allow your heart to have an encounter with Jesus. Because he is our savior who gives freedom by his death and his resurrection. He forgives us of our sin and, and gives us new life. So come and see that Jesus loves you. He is seeking you. You don't have to feel lost any longer. You can be found by choosing to follow him today.
you would, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, today is just an incredible celebration of freedom being found in your name. Jesus, we had two students go from being lost to being found. They, they were once spiritually dead, but now, Lord, they are spiritually alive. Lord, they had an encounter with you, which led to the response that we are going to see today. Two students are getting baptized in your name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for that today. And thank you, Lord, for the way that you moved within our students and our leaders. Lord, calling them to repent, to turn away from the sin, from their sin, and to see that you're still waiting for them with your arms wide open, just like the father of the prodigal son. Father, you're so good and we're so undeserving. And I pray today for anyone in this room, you don't have to go to church camp to encounter the living God. You can be in this seat right now and you can confess, you can recognize your sin that you are lost and ask Jesus to find you. He's seeking you, he wants you, he loves you. And I pray, don't hold back. Don't hold back today. Have your beliefs challenged. Allow him to work in your life and I believe it'll be the best decision that you ever make. It won't be the easiest decision you ever make, but it will be the best. You'll go throughout life, no longer digging for holes, expecting to find something that only Jesus can bring. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the memories that we now have through this incredible week of camp. Lord, we love you, and I pray all of this in your heavenly name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.